Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I am Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 18 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Matt, do you enjoy story time with your kids in the evening? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my kids love it too. It's that my, my boys, they don't like it when I do voices. I do have to say, I don't do story time a lot with my kids. My wife does. Oh, is that so they do get so story I, time? I said, yeah, absolutely, but they, they don't want me to read stories to them. It's like they, they always want their mom to put them to bed. And whenever it's like... Who's going to pick up Asher, you know, whatever, like the gymnast at the end of the night, and, and it's mom, they all go, oh, because that means that mom doesn't get to put them to bed and it. dad has to. So you're so, the default taxi driver. Yeah, that nobody is, wants. Okay, okay, good. Well, um, I, I want to talk about story today because I think every ministry should have elements of story in it. It's crazy because it's on a couple of different levels. On a bigger level... Like when we bring up a topic, whatever that topic is, whether it's uh, purgatory or, or mercy or the creed, right, to talk about what we believe, I think we need to bring elements of tension to create a story, right? A story isn't a, hey, Bob woke up, Bob had a good day, Bob went to bed. That's not a good story. There's no tension. There's no conflict in that story. And in our ministry, if we think about story, when we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, what we believe We can talk about the council that met and the heresies that were being fought back and forth as we enter in. Like, people used to believe this or were confused about that. And, you know, like St. Nicholas punched someone in the face, you heretic. You know, and that that type of tension, that's what drives the story along. And so are we diving into the why behind the what of what we're teaching in a way that's compelling? Even what you said about Bob, that's a story. It's just not a good one. Right. Right. And what we as ministry leaders are presenting is the greatest story ever told. And if we're telling the story as if it's not a great one or if it's a boring story, like, oh, this is the creed and here's the creed. And that's what we tell people. That's I mean, that's not a good story. Right. Right. That's just some information that you're getting out there. But people don't really latch on to information like they do a story. But our faith, when we talk about teaching our faith or standing for our faith, like it was so scandalous that people would kill other people because of it, right? They were fed to the lions. There were people that were martyrs, right? Even to this day, people are imprisoned because of believing the things that we say in our creed, right? Yeah, and, and you look at the way the Gospels are written, the letters are written. Those are written with, with the tension in there. They tell the story of what happened, you know, when Jesus was preaching about, like, his body. This is my body. Take it and receive it. People were scandalized, and they left. Like, the gospel writers tell us that so that we see the tension, we hear the tension, and, and we're, we enter into the story of what people that were there were feeling. Last Sunday, uh, the reading was, be persistent whether it's convenient or inconvenient. And I sat there, and I was thinking in Mass, I was like, ah. Oh. They don't know how inconvenient or how difficult it is in the setting that I'm in to, to be persistent in sharing the gospel. Mm. And then I paused and I was like, wait, St. Paul was writing this from in prison. <laughs> yeah. So I think he gets it, you know, like, but, but a lot of people don't know, like, oh, this scripture verse that we're hearing today, the second reading, like was written by someone who was in prison for their faith. Like that piece, <laughs> that context right there. It's like, whoa, I got I to gotta ear up and listen to this, you know? Absolutely. So, um, so knowing so, this, the full story adds a, a whole lot to, I mean, yeah, I mean, probably adds everything to our faith. 
it certainly whets our appetite or fosters our appetite as listeners to be more engaged in whatever we're discussing. And so I, I want to encourage people to, on the bigger level, to enter into a story loop, create some tension, and then how does your teaching resolve that tension? How does the Apostles' Creed resolve tension? How does purgatory resolve tension? It's a character or an element of the greater story. And that greater story is actually salvation history, right? Yep. The yeah. greatest story ever told would be the Gospels. But salvation history is God constantly reaching out to his people to save them, to rescue them. And that's not that has not met its conclusion, even though it's met its fulfillment. Now, let me explain yep. that. It hasn't met its conclusion because I myself am not standing with Christ in heaven. But it has met its fulfillment because Christ has conquered sin and death. Yep. And so we need to tell them, like this story, what happened with Moses or Noah is happening to you right now because God is reaching out to you as we speak in a personal, real, and efficacious way. Their story is your story. And that's exciting. And uh, and so we need to bring story in in that bigger picture of uh, allowing that tension to exist and resolving that tension through the truths of the church, but also on a smaller scale, like we can bring in personal stories, right? And those yeah. are often called uh, testimonies or witnesses. And uh, and a lot of times, for the sake of the teaching, we forsake the the personal stories. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's a dangerous thing. I think that that's something that we need to to remember. But if, uh, if you're like me, like I didn't have this St. Paul conversion where I was blinded, I was doing something horrible, and then all of a sudden I, I, I turned around and had this amazing conversion story. So sometimes I'm like, oh, my story's not good enough or not flashy enough or whatever. Um, and sometimes other people have the St. Paul conversion story, and it's not appropriate for little ears. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. this would not yeah. work well in this situation or in uh, – in, where there's both guys and girls present, it's maybe too scandalous or, or whatever it is. And I think we talked about how to share appropriately in one of the previous podcasts. And so look at that and learn how to share appropriately because I think every story can be shared. Even a rated R story can be shared uh, with a rated G audience if you just, you know, and there was there was difficulty instead of being as specific or explicit. Yep. 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 But the greatest stories out there might not be our own. Well, and, and that's where I think testimony is amazing because we just celebrated the feast of St. John Paul II, and I was moved on social media, and then I w- went home with my family, and, and after dinner we watched a YouTube video of St. John Paul II's life for children, you know, and these different things. We heard the testimony of this man from so many different voices, and none of them were St. John Paul II. All of them were people that were inspired by it. And so we can share the testimonies or the stories of other people. And we have a, an amazing library of saints that are standing there waiting for their stories to be told. Yeah, and, and saint stories are great. And we absolutely need to rely on those. But like for some reason, people tend to put saints on this pedestal. You know, like, oh, well, that person was just outrageously holy. I'm not like that. So that testimony isn't accessible to me. And so we need to couple those or pair those or also include personal testimonies of like normal people, you know, or saints in the making. I mean, that's what hopefully all of us are, Amen. Um, you know, so that so that there's a little bit more of a personal connection, because some of the stories that you're talking about are people that that, well, I think knew him personally. And so it's personal to them. And so they get to share, I don't want to say the real him, but not the, the unobtainable 
version of him. Well, the Gospels were all firsthand accounts of Jesus. And so yeah. these type of testimonies that you're talking about were firsthand accounts of Saint that saint. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to, you know, I guess grab some of those. But I think if we if we look at sometimes if we go too far back with some of the saints and and we don't have any of those firsthand accounts of them, then their testimony will be um, dismissed by a lot of people that are listening because it feels unobtainable. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I think that there there is a danger if the only stories we share of mission in our ministry are stories of foreign mission, where people went to, to this place or to that place. And then when they go into the lunchroom at their school or uh, to the water cooler at their office place, they don't see that their role there is as a missionary as well. And yep. so an everyday missionary is diminished when all we talk about is uh, foreign missions and the only type of mission or service work that we do is when we go out of state or out of the country as a community. Like we need to be serving the people, our neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. And the same is true with testimonies. If all we have is these uh, grand finale type of uh, conversion stories and uh, we don't have the ordinary I love the little flower that she was the patron saint of missionaries, right? St. Therese. Like, what did she do in regards to foreign missions? Nothing other than pray. And because Mm. of that, that was more than enough. Like, everyone can hit their knees. Everyone can be a missionary in that sense. Yep. And uh, and so we need to we need to pair we I mean the stories that they pair well together. So Saint Therese Saint Therese of Calcutta they pair well together because one of them did some spectacular things in in India and the other one did some spectacular things throughout the entire world without leaving her convent. Not only do we need to use story in the way that we teach, we also need to use testimony. So and and maybe those are two of the same things, but like when we were talking about the creed talking about the story of how it was developed is is paramount rather than just giving the information because the story adds excitement you know and adds some of that tension and the drama in the development of the creed but then also we need to use our personal testimony to connect people to the idea that we're trying to get across so um, like this is how the creed has impacted my life. This is how yeah. it's changed me. Personally. This is why it matters, you know. N- not only was the development of it kind of exciting, but also it it affects us personally. Right. Right. And so that's that's where both of those forms of story play into teaching. And this would go f- like for anything you're doing, whether it's little kids in religious ed or parachool religion or if it's you know, RCIA, whatever, like story is huge. And even like pastors, like giving a testimony in your homily is, is, is I think it's essential for people to see you as a person and what, what's your personal experience it, that matters to, to your parishioners. It's that intimacy or vulnerability that explains the journey. Like we are in this together. This is how this verse or this scripture passage has affected me in my own prayer life. This is where I've wrestled with it. I mean, it doesn't have to be these testimonies where it's all happy, peachy, you know, there was tension between me and God because of sin, and then I had this moment, and everything was great again. We could say, like, I have wrestled with this verse for years, and the Lord is still working on me. That is a personal testimony that makes people say, I have permission now to wrestle with the verse. But it means that I have to lean into the verse to wrestle with it. Like, I heard someone talk about how they struggled in prayer the other day, and they're given this witness, and I'm like... 
oh, I wish I struggled in prayer. Like, I just give up sometimes. Like, oh, (laughs) prayer's hard. I'm I'm done. You know, I'm just going to check the box. Yeah, I just check the box. And other people are like, so I'm really wrestling about how to be more intimate with the Lord in my prayer time. And I'm like, I want to wrestle in that way. Like, that's a beautiful way to struggle. And so we look at it in a personal witness or a testimony. uh, You look at it and you think about there's gospels that did not get approved in the canon. Right there's mm-hmm. a number of different gospels, and I'm sure Dan Brown is going to write a new book on it someday to scandalize us all, and uh, and, and and Tom Hanks will disappoint us with his acting. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Go back to Toy Story. I loved you so much, you know. And the thing is, is I think that it's okay if a testimony is the gospel according to you, right? So the gospel according to Matt, so long as it's in line with or it's at the service of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. But God has impacted us in a way to where we should cry out in real ways. And yes, there's going to be times where we cry out and it's not going to be perfect. Do not let perfection be the enemy of the good. Like figure out how to share your story. So what advice would you give for someone who's like, I want to share that story? Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, like before we get into that, you don't just have one story. When we were prepping for this podcast, you know, Chris said, and then maybe we can share our testimony. And I, I blanked. I don't know if you noticed my reaction to you. I was like, I was wrestling with it because I don't just have one testimony. Right. You know, I, I have I have a lot of different conversions over my life. And so all of us should have that as well. You know, I have I have a testimony about contraception. I have a testimony about abortion. I have a testimony about all these other things. And so it's like, well, what are what are these testimonies you know, like, so you don't just have one testimony. It's not just about, you know, when you found Jesus, it's when you wrestled with something, like when there was something that you didn't believe. And then now there's something you do believe and what made you believe that and where you are now. Like that's, that's the easiest way to describe the form of a testimony. And it doesn't have to be just that, I don't know, big aha conversion moment of when you found Jesus. There are other areas of conversion that we have testimonies about. Right. And and I think in, in regards to your testimonies that you listed off, I, I agree. I have one about me coming to understand uh, Mary's role. Like I was resistant in the whole Marian dogmas and, and things like that. I was like, oh, it seems like why not just go straight to Jesus, you know? And, uh, and, and to be able to give witness to that reality is is intimate and open and personal. And when we only teach or catechize in a way that doesn't have that personal reality, the response to truth should be relationship, right? Truth makes demands, and the response to truth is is relationship, which means we have to turn away from sin and turn towards the Lord, and relationship is intimacy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so if we want to help people pray, then we have to be willing to witness that this is something that you journey with someone on. And that means a personal witness or a testimony is helpful. And like we shared earlier, you can use the testimonies or the living witnesses of saints and how they responded. But our own is important as well because we're right in front of them. We're saints in the making, God willing, saints in the making. Yeah, and so, and the other thing that giving testimonies does is it, to me, it kind of shatters that whole perception that every Catholic is all in 100% behind everything without any doubts or wrestling. Because I think we fall into that, that, oh, you know, so-and-so is a perfect Catholic. They've never doubted anything or they don't wrestle with anything. And all of us do. 
Like there, there, there is no Catholic who has like come out of the womb and and believed everything wholeheartedly and never doubted a thing. Sure. You know, everyone has gone through some struggle like that, and and us sharing that gives people permission to cut themselves some slack. <laughs> you know, hopefully not too much slack, but just like enough to to not be shamed in in where they are. Like I, I wrestle with this, I wrestle with that. I'm so glad to hear that so and so wrestles with something. I don't wrestle with what they wrestle with, but it gives me permission to wrestle with my struggles. Yeah, and, and I think the important thing is not, not just cut themselves some slack, but cut their teeth on the faith as well. Yeah. Like, truth is is stout, right? Like, it's okay to kick the tires of truth. It's okay to question it. It's okay to doubt it. It's okay to deny it because truth isn't hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Truth stands firm. And if we tell people, like, because in our society right now, if you disagree, you disassociate. You move apart from those people. Right, and we see that on the political sphere, the massive unfriending that happened after our last election, uh, presidential election, and all those different pieces. But actually, truth doesn't work like that. Yeah. If you're like, I don't know if this is true, I doubt it. Well, then truth isn't going to be like, well, then we can't be friends if we don't agree on this. You know, <laughs> truth is like, wrestle with me. Let's do it, Jacob and the angel. Like, let's roll in that regard. And testimonies give people permission to do that. Right. And I think that that's beautiful. Of, I have wrestled with this aspect of the truth. Well, I haven't wrestled with that aspect of the truth, but I wrestle with this. It's okay to wrestle with these things. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. I am in the right place. Let's hear about how this one resolves. And then maybe I figure out how my own wrestle, my own doubt, my own story has resolution in Christ as well. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And testimonies like this work best. It's not impossible. Work best with issues that you have overcome. It's still possible if it's an issue that you're still struggling with, but you're committed to getting over it. Let's just say pornography for one example. If it's something that you're still struggling with, but you're committed to ending it in your life, there's still a potential for that to be a testimony. You know, when I was young, I, you know, I'm just tossing stuff out. This isn't me. But when I was young, I looked at pornography, got addicted. I realized how awful it was and have committed to getting it out of my life and what it, what it was that dive into the realization of what led you there. And since that moment, I've been committed to getting it out of my life. Like that's, that's a testimony. Embracing the sin to you, embracing, eradicating the sin. That was sure. the conversion. Yeah. You know, now if you were to say, hey, when I was young, I looked at pornography. I don't really, I mean, obviously you wouldn't say this. I don't really think it's a big deal, so I haven't stopped, you know, looking at it. Well, that's not a testimony. You don't want to give that one, <laughs> right? Because there's no conversion there. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's just a, a, a job loss. Yeah, you probably would never be <laughs> just giving a witness at that parish again. Yeah, it's like that. I mean, I'm sure, there, I'm sure there are other examples of that, you know, where if you haven't actually fully assented to the teaching, whatever it is, then you, you shouldn't be the one giving the testimony on that. Right, but there's, there's, there's other examples where if you haven't perfected the practice, you're still on board. Like, I am not perfect in prayer, but this is the way that I have found success, and this is where I've struggled, and this is how I've made strides. That's a great testimony, even though you're not, you haven't reached um, you know, levitation status or bilocation status in your prayer life. That's okay to be like, I'm still on the struggle bus, but I am struggling forward, you know. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, and, um, and that may just be one of those obvious things. You're not going to have, you know, a couple who cohabits get up and give a testimony about how living together before marriage is, is bad. That just, it wouldn't work right. I mean, that, that may just be way too obvious. 
which is why it's important that we make sure the testimonies that are being given are also being vetted or practiced Um, because testimonies must be at the service of the truth. Yep. Like that is like a huge takeaway. There's all sorts of testimonies uh, that they, they show vulnerability or intimacy. They, they give people permission to journey with, uh, but they must be at the service of the truth. And we've all seen testimonies that haven't been at the service of the truth. This isn't necessarily a, a perfect example for that. But when Wesley and I were on our pre-Cana retreat before, so we, before we got married, um, they were talking about NFP and contraception and they had three couples, you know, up on the panel. And so, of course, the question comes out, what do you guys do? And one of them said, that's a personal question. So then immediately everybody in the audience is like, oh, well, they contracept. I guess it's okay to contracept. Right. You know, and so you just, you can't do that stuff. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you can really mess stuff up like this. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, Dave, from that retreat 25 (laughs) years ago. Yeah. We've all seen situations where someone gets up and they maybe glorify sin in the way they share their testimony, and that's not a good thing. But the other thing that I've seen is someone who gets up and is sharing a testimony, and I'm not sure if you've ever been at one of these retreats, but it goes on for 15 minutes, then it goes on for 25 minutes, and then like 45 minutes in, like they're still up there and they're they're, they're weeping, right? They mm-hmm. clearly haven't gotten over what they're sharing and they weren't in a place where they could share it. Like they still needed to heal. They still needed to process. And almost the brokenness is being glorified because now everyone can kind of cry together or, or, or kind of journey together. And so we want to be careful in regards to, I don't, I don't like the phrase emotional manipulation, but we do need to be careful in regards to stories are powerful and they can draw out emotion. We want to make sure that the goal is not to draw out emotion or to manipulate people with uh, that hallmark moment or whatever it is, because ultimately we want it to be at the service of the truth, to be pointing to that reality. And so I want to give just a few quick tips before we close up um, in regards to how to give a testimony. And, and you're not, I mean, you're not talking like giving a talk or anything like that. You're talking about five minutes. I'm talking about a testimony. And the, the coolest thing is, is testimony should be scalable. There might be time when you're sitting on a plane ride and you're like, we have three hours to get there. And this person's asking me why I wear this cross. And I could, I could share a little bit more about uh, my own conversion experience. And that can be a 10, 12, 15 minute type of story. I could be in an elevator and there's someone that asked me the same question. And I know I have 30 seconds to share the same story. Mm-hmm. And so I think it definitely is scalable. But typically, if testimonies are going to accent the truth or be involved in a bigger talk or something like that, they should be a smaller piece of it. It shouldn't be the whole talk. Catechesis is still uh, important to bring about. What you just said highlights something that we haven't said yet, is that these testimonies that we have aren't just meant for classroom teaching or aren't just meant for youth group setting or RCIA setting. It's, it's meant for us to be ready to give our testimony at a moment's notice with anybody that we encounter, whether it's the elevator or the airplane. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so a typical testimony is going to be kind of the, your experience, like where you were at, what happened, and then where you're at now. And that what happened piece is has to be Jesus. Like you have to, should, but I would say have to name Jesus as the catalyst for the change, right? So I was... I was in a bad place. I, I, I really uh, was struggling with my relationship with my parents. They sent me on a retreat. 
And I literally said, Mom, I'm, I'm going on this retreat so I can get away from you for the weekend. Like, I was not about this retreat. This was eighth grade. And then on the retreat, through this affirmation activity, people, one person affirmed me. And I was like, wow, if people can see Christ in me, then Christ is present to me. And in that moment, I realized that I was loved by Jesus Christ, right? And so bringing that into the story is so vital to name the name of Jesus Christ in the story. is such an important piece to acknowledge that. Otherwise, it would have been, I went on a retreat and we did this weird activity and I felt better about myself and then I was better. You know, like that's not the case. And on that note, if there is, if you look back on your life and you see conversion moments or transitions where you went from not believing something to believing something or not assenting to something to, to doing so, and you don't see Jesus there, that may be great fodder for prayer for you to take to God and say, where were you in this? Because he's there. I mean, and, yes. and, he, and so if you don't see Jesus in there, if you think that you're the one that did it, or if you think that someone specifically did it or whatever, then you need to look into, into there and see, like, where was Jesus? Because he was there. If, if, if it's something that drew you closer to him, closer to his church, he was there. Yeah, and, and Christ sometimes is moving things out of the way so you have a better journey, right? Sometimes Christ is putting things in the way. It's like, and it was this unanswered prayer, and so I had to go this direction instead, and that's when I met my wife, right? Yep, like, yep. Like, like my wife well, it was not the first person that I had a ring made for, mm. you know what I mean? And so God uh, led me into a place that was hard, really difficult, but it ultimately led me to this area. He had to slam a door in my face in order for me to get there. And that's a beautiful testimony to give. Like, even in the hard times, sometimes God is radically present. And then the third piece of the testimony, right, what happened before, and that's where you build the story, build the tension, the resolution with Christ, and then what happened afterwards. And I think the afterwards piece is so vital because now it's all flowers and puppy dogs. That's unfair to say, like, especially if you're on an airplane and you're like, yeah, oh, now everything's easy in life because I'm wearing this cross around my neck. No, like it's it's meaningful now. It has more purpose, has more meaning, more depth. My life is is more fulfilling, but it's still hard. But I know yeah. that I don't journey alone. Christ is with yep. me in it. And it's a beautiful journey. There's, there's, there's suffering that has meaning now and is redemptive. And so when you're looking at it, what I see oftentimes is the first third, that first piece that I talked about where, where the struggle was, sometimes gets 90% of the time, of the stage time, which means the struggle or the sin or the tension or the being lost is getting more attention than the, the moment that Christ showed up and talking about that. The, the emotion that was there, the, the what took place, how, how that happened, um, sometimes it gets like another 10 seconds in the close, and now everything's better. I pray more. The end. Like, that's not a good testimony. It doesn't nope. have to be one-third, 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 but the sin part shouldn't be the majority of the testimony. And so really look at that, work that in to be able to make that a good story that you share. Absolutely. And we have, um, right on the Next Level website, we have a guide for giving a testimony. Gwen wrote that, right? Yeah we, have a, yeah, we have a blog post that talks about how to give a testimony. So we'll make sure and link that in the show notes. Did you have anything else you wanted to say before we close? Oh, use them. Pepper testimonians all over the place and, uh, and, and have a blast. Try it like when you're at the dentist office and they got the instruments in your mouse, mouth. Share a testimony. Like try it. It's, it's so much fun to see happen. These little itsy bitsy testimonies along the way. Glorify God in the way we share. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation online and please send any feedback you have to mla at ablaze.us. Share Check this podcast our- with somebody.
Check out our Facebook group. Just search MLA Podcast on the Facebook group. Join us there. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to share your story, your testimony, and pray for other ministry leaders. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.